Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. We are going to be talking about renewing one another relationships. As you know, our six-month theme is on renewal, and we're picking different topics to talk about uh, each month. And uh, January, we've been talking about renewed faith, and uh, I'm going to wrap that particular series, the Sunday series up this week. And uh, I'm going to be looking at the correlation between faith and surrender and how you really can't have one without the other. Well, I guess you, you can't have faith without surrender. You can have surrender without faith, but we, we, we're going to talk about how surrender is such an important part of our faith. But tonight we're going to talk about us and uh, our relationships with each other. Uh, we'll certainly talk about God, but it's really focused on who we are together uh, as, a, as a church, as a body. Uh, to me, and I think you would probably echo this, the fellowship that we're a part of is something really, really special. And, and I am so grateful for the family that God has brought me into. And I hope you are as well. I, I would suspect that you are. Um, but what we have here as a church is something that we need to just value highly and not take for granted and make every effort to engage in and, and, uh, and continue to, uh, to build up. There are many facets to this fellowship that we have. There's way too many that we could possibly get into tonight. But there are two things that I see as being really real cornerstones, both here in our Southern Connecticut church family, but in our family of churches. And those two cornerstones are lordship and discipleship. So you're familiar with both of those, I'm sure. Lordship is uh, just that. It's making Jesus master, Jesus Lord, Jesus in charge of everything that we do, all of our decisions, all of our choices, all of our plans and goals and dreams have to somehow bounce back to, to Jesus. What, is, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus want? How are we supposed to be living? So that lordship is, is making Jesus the center of everything that we do. We talk about having a Christ-centered life. It's having a Christ-centered marriage, having a Christ-centered family. So that's that's what lordship is. And then the other cornerstone okay. is discipleship. And uh, I'm just actually going to meet everybody here. You can help yourselves as needed. Okay. And then the, the other thing is discipleship. And so discipleship is not the same as lordship, although they're, they're cousins. But discipleship is how we actually follow Jesus. It's, it's what we do. It's our lifestyle. It's those choices and decisions that we make because Jesus is Lord then it's reflected in, in how we live our day-to-day -day life. So lordship and discipleship are key. And both of these, if we're really honest with ourselves and each other, are very, very challenging. It's not easy making Jesus Lord because we like to be Lord. We like to make the decisions. We like to call the shots. We like to decide what we're going to do. And so that makes lordship quite a challenge. And I think at the same time, discipleship is really challenging because there's a lot of other things pulling at our attention, right? In terms of how we want to live our lives. So making that decision to, you know, well, I'm just going to really follow Jesus also poses its, its real uh, challenges. And so because lordship and discipleship are so challenging, it's the reason why most people don't actually practice either one of those. Even religious people typically don't really practice biblical lordship 
and biblical discipleship. The fact that we strive to do both of these makes us fairly unique in the religious world. And I appreciate the fact that as a church, we don't shy away from these. In fact, just the opposite. We make every effort to lean into these things. And not only do we know how challenging this Christian life can be, but I think God has a pretty good idea of the fact that this is not the easiest way to live your life. And uh, one of those really unique and really great parts of our fellowship is that we've built into it Thanks. a plan to help each other to get there and to help each other to stay there. So we're not just on our own. We don't become part of the church and then good luck, you know, hope it all works out for you. But we have built into kind of who we are mechanisms, tools that help each other to stay strong, to get strong, and to, to stay strong. And this plan that we've built into our fellowship isn't even ours. And that's the beauty of it. But it's a plan that's actually given to us by God. And this plan has everything to do with one another relationships. And as much as God wants us first and foremost to have a meaningful relationship with him and to lean on him, right after that, like just a little bit below that, God expects us to lean on each other and be there for each other. And that's not always easy. I'm going to share a lot of scriptures. You may not have time to turn to them. And, uh, and I don't have a PowerPoint prepared for tonight. So I might read some of these. And you can just go ahead and jot them down. If you get a chance later to look at them, then you can certainly go back and, and do that. Most of them, I think, are probably pretty familiar to you anyway. But when I talk, when you look at these one another relationships and how God orchestrated that and how God made that part of the plan of the fellowship, there's so many scriptures that really jump out and scream out. And one of the most familiar is Matthew chapter 20, verses 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and in you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So we all know this, right? The first one talks about our becoming Christians, right? So we are, we're, we're baptized into the body of Christ. We're baptized into the, the death, and the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. But it doesn't, it doesn't end there. The first call is to go and make disciples. So that's what we do, right? We share our faith. We do Bible studies with people. We baptize them. It was great to see Tiffany baptized uh, this year. It was great to baptize Rick Rogerio this year. And I'm sure you've all at some point been involved with baptisms yourself. And so we, we get that. We go, we baptize people. But things don't end there. We don't just baptize them and then forget about them. But we're then to, to teach each other this lordship and this discipleship. And it was never intended to be a one-time thing. Oh, well, we, we covered that in studying the Bible. So, you know, we're all good. We did the seven studies, everything's fine. But it was always meant to just be this ongoing relationship. It's not a one-time thing. It's ongoing, no matter how many years you've been a disciple. I've been a disciple 35 years, and I'm still very much active and engaged in discipling relationships. And in a few minutes, I'm gonna share kind of how that plays out in my life. Uh, but this is something we all need to participate in. And when we don't, there are casualties. When we lose touch with each other, when we don't get in there with each other, then there's a really, really stiff price to pay. And we take personal hits and our fellowship takes personal, personal hits. You know that the first murder uh, in the world was committed because of a breakdown of brotherly relationships. And when 
when God asked Cain about his brother Abel, do you know what Cain said to him? Am I my brother's keeper? Right? So immediately he just blew off the responsibility and said, hey, he's not my problem. Am I supposed to take care of my brother? And we know from the rest of the Bible that the answer is a resounding yes, that we are our brother's keeper, that we give responsibility with each other. And a great scripture for that, you can jot this down, is in Hebrews 3, uh, verses 12 through, um, through 14. And I love this. This is probably my favorite discipling scripture. And when I'm studying the Bible with somebody or counting the costs, I love to really camp out on this one because I think this really speaks volumes to the need to be in there with each other. But it says in verse 12, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. I mean, I think there's no better scripture than that. You know, it says, see to it. And uh, I like to call these see to it relationships. When somebody tells you see to it, aren't they really saying get it done? If your boss comes to you or your supervisor or your teacher or whomever is above you and whatever you're doing in life, they come to you and say, look, you know, Fred Goodman, see to it that you get that work done. You know, Jason, see to it or Manny, see to it. I mean, that that doesn't mean like, OK, well, if you get a chance, you know, if you have some free time today, would you would you mind getting that report done? If you, if you have a moment, would you mind, you know, getting this project finished? No, if your boss or your supervisor says see to it, that's a charge like I got to get this done. And so I see this as being a charge as brothers that we need to get this done, that none of us in the fellowship has an unbelieving simple heart that ultimately and eventually walks away from this amazing gift that God has given to, given to us. But then he says, no, instead, encourage one another while you have the moment, while you have the time, while it's called today. Why? So that none of us will become so hard-hearted and deceitful that we walk away from the fellowship. And then he just nails it in verse 14. We've, we'll share in Christ only together when we hold our original conviction to the end. When you lose that original conviction, there's a very good chance that we are not going to share that oneness. So it's so important that we do that. Another scripture that I think is really important for us is, uh, this is in Matthew chapter 22, and you're familiar with this. I'm going to begin reading in verse 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so when pressed, Jesus says, okay, you want to know what the most important things are? Do you, know, do you know what my top two are? Jesus says, top number one, love God above everything else. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever lose that. Don't ever leave that. Put nothing else in front of God. And then right below that, love each other. Care for each other. So loving each other means caring for each other. And, and that requires a lot. So how do we actually do that? I mean, with everything else that we've got going on in our place right now, what does it really mean for us to love each other enough and obey this scripture enough 
to say, I'm going to make sure that that you never fall away, that you never walk away, at least to the best of my ability. I guess we can all do what we want to do, but to the best of my ability, I'm going to help you stay faithful. How do we how do we develop that kind of love? Let me show you something here really quick, and uh, this might just help you out a little bit. So let's say you get called out to a fight, a good old fashioned knife fight. You know there's gonna be 20 people there. You decide, hey, I'll just show up on my own. So you do, and you've got a knife, and the 20 other people have a knife too. Why do we do this? Why do we think that we can show up on our own, unprepared, and take on the entire world? Like we're Liam Neeson or something. Problem is we're not Liam Neeson. We need people, especially if there's an entire army of knifed vigilantes after us. I mean, even Jesus, when he came here to the earth, surrounded himself with people. Unlikely cast of characters that he called friends. This is what he did. He needed companions. He knew that he needed people around him. God himself knew that he needed people. And why would we be any different than that? Chances are you're not going to be in a knife fight anytime soon, but you are in life, and life is a fight. Whether it's lust, or whether it's pride, or whether it's pornography, whatever it is, it's a fight. And the more people you have on your side, the better off you're going to be. So today, we have the opportunity to be courageous and make a change, because it's worth it. And it's time. So today you have the opportunity because it's worth it and it's time. So how do we make this work? How do we make this discipling, this one another relationship thing that the Bible just is so big on? How do we make it work? Because <clears throat> I know what you're thinking, because I know how we all think. I got a lot going on. I'm busy. I got stuff to do. I got my family. I got my kids. I got my fill in the blank. I got stuff. How how do I make time to, to do this? Well, the first thing and there's only two things. The first thing is you've got to be committed to make it work. You've got to be committed to make it work. You know, when I look at Matthew 22, when Jesus says, love the Lord your God, you know, above everything else, and then love each other as yourself. I mean, I kind of see that as a binding contract, <clears throat> that this wasn't a suggestion. This wasn't a good idea, but this was the idea. This was God's plan. 
And, uh, you know, Jesus, he even goes on to say, everything, everything else <clears throat> hangs on these two things being practiced. And neither of them is optional. So how deeply committed to these two things are we? Is it just to the first? Or are we equally committed to the second as well? And what, what would that even look like? Let me just share a few scriptures with you. You don't have to, if you guys could please my, my, mute your mics. I've got everybody muted, but you can unmute yourself. And I prefer right now if you didn't, because I hear a lot of stuff in the background there from somebody. Okay, so a couple of scriptures just to, to keep in mind in terms of this, this really, this, this need for each other. And uh, the first one here uh, is uh, in John chapter 13, verse 34. Listen to what Jesus says. A new command I give you, love one another. So these are some, some really important one another scriptures. Love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another, right? So there's a ton of things that we could be doing for one another. But Jesus says, well, the thing that's going to really earmark you as being part of me is the fact that you love one another. So I think that's a great one. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3, 12, we just read it in context of something else. Let me read it under here. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a simple, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, right? So the world has a way of discouraging us, right? Which means to, to knock the courage out of you. But the way we put courage back into each other is to lift each other up and, and encourage one another. James chapter 5, another one, verse 16, says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So we, we're open with each other. We're transparent. I appreciate what he said in the video. Look, we're all in this battle, right? So whether it's lust or whether it's pornography or it could be selfishness or it could be greed, it could be a number of things. But when we're open and transparent with each other, then we pray for each other and we, we hold each other up. And we hold each other accountable. So that's, that's another really great thing. I love this one in Romans chapter 15, verse 14. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. <clears throat> and that just speaks to the learning process that Jesus uh, talked about in Matthew 28 when it says, go make disciples, baptize, and teach them to obey. We have a, a wealth of knowledge in this church. We've got guys that have been around for a long time. We've got guys that have been through a lot of things. We've got guys that are really experts in, in so many different areas. And I think God has pulled us together as a fellowship with this uh, amazing ability to instruct one another, to, to seek out each other and help each other. So I think that's pretty awesome. Ephesians chapter 4, Another one that I like, this is in verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. And uh, man, you don't have to dig very deep to realize how much Christ has forgiven you, how much God has forgiven you. And so in speaking to this scripture, be kind, be compassionate, forgive each other. We can hold grudges, we can hold attitudes, and, and that's really detrimental to the quality of a one another relationship. So not the kind of thing we should be doing. And then lastly, this is in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. And this kind of sums them all up. So this is, if I had to pick one, I would pick this. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. I mean, isn't that the... the uh, 
discipleship all, you know, in, in one line. I mean, I think that's like the, the quintessential scripture about being a follower of Jesus. It's love one another above yourself and be devoted in love. And so these are all really important. All of these working together requires a huge investment from each other to each other. And I know it's not easy. And it seems like a lot. And guess what? It is a lot. It's definitely a lot. But I believe if the heart to, to be in these relationships is a committed heart, then God can work out the rest. So the first thing is you have to be committed or you have to be committed to making this work. The second thing is developing a plan to make it work. <clears throat> because nothing important, nothing worthwhile, especially nothing that's complicated, comes together without a plan, right? I mean, there are very few things that you can do without a plan. You know, maybe simple things. I don't really need a plan to mow my grass in the summer. I just fire up the lawnmower, do it, I'm done. But, you know, there's other things where it's like, man, when it comes to my family and my marriage and the church and my health and you know i mean it's like all right i gotta figure out how i'm gonna do this i gotta i gotta write it all out and chart it out i need a plan <clears throat> and i think for us to be effective one another uh, uh with each other we need to have an effective plan so let's talk about developing a plan to make it work this is where we have a lot of flexibility which is a great thing because there really is no cookie cutter way to have a discipling relationship. There's no cookie cutter way to get in there with each other because look, we're, we're all different. No two of us are the same. Even though we may have identical birthdays or, or you know, no same number of kids or, you know, there might be a lot of similarities, but when you get right down to it, none of us are really the same. We have different ages. We have different lives. We have different life stations, different schedules. We have different needs. We have different strengths. We have different weaknesses. We have different struggles, right? We've got different likes and dislikes. So no two of us are exactly the same. The only thing that we actually have in common is, is our commitment to Christ, or that lordship and discipleship, and that really should be enough to carry us. But even though we're, we're very different people, we do have the same goal. And that's the life of lordship and, dis and discipleship and being our best at these things. And so we can develop different plans to be able to get there. So what, what can we be doing? How can we, how can we make this work? So if we're talking about a discipling relationship, now let's face it, in the church, we have a lot of different relationships, right? So not every relationship is a discipling relationship, nor should every relationship be a, a discipling relationship. We have a lot of friends. We have a lot of relationships. I have loads of friends. Uh, I like to think I'm friends with everybody in this church. I'm definitely closer to other people than I am to some. I mean, that's just the natural way things go. You can't be best friends with everybody, right? So we all gravitate towards different people for, for various reasons. So we all love each other. We're really in there with each other. But when it comes to like, okay, this is, a, this is something I'm going to look at and consider to be a discipling, a discipling relationship. What would that be? How much, how much time would that take? Well, maybe a little less than you think. If you're also maintaining other friendships where you can talk and chat and, you know, get help with things as needed. But I think on average, if, if everybody here, if all of the men in our church could commit to a solid hour every other week, 
you'd be growing. Now, when I put it in terms like that, you think, wow, gosh, that's not very much. Like, really? Like you're, you're talking about like, like two hours a month? Like I can really grow with two hours a month? Well, yes, you can. It's kind of like us saying, you know, hey guys, if, if, if everybody just baptized one person in the course of a year, by the end of the year, we'd have almost 200 baptisms. Have we ever done that? No, but it sounds like when you look at it like a face value, like, oh man, like everybody can do that. But for whatever reason, that doesn't happen. Well, now what I'm saying, if everybody commit could commit to a solid hour of a, a, a definite intentional discipling time every other week, and I know you got church and you got midweek and you got other stuff, but if you could have like an hour where you're sitting down with somebody and you're getting into it, we'd all grow. But I can promise you this right now, the vast majority of our church is not doing that. And I know that for a fact. So as simple as it sounds, it's kind of like baptizing 200 people. Oh yeah, we can do that. Okay, well, why don't we try it then? Let's see. And so this is something I really think we could accomplish. And so what I want to do right now is walk through with you some plan ideas of how we can actually make this thing work. So we're talking about an intentional time to grow. We're going to use our, like one hour as our baseline. Now, if you had more time than that, great. If you had two hours to get together every other week, that would be fine. I still think the every other week is probably a pretty good um, uh, frequency. Maybe if you're a brand new Christian, probably every week would be, would be good. But for probably the vast majority of the brothers uh, in this class tonight, every other week for about an hour would probably be enough. So let me give you some things to think about. Number one, 20, 20, 20. So picture 20 slash 20 slash 20. So I'm looking at those as 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. If everybody would commit their hour time to three 20 minute segments with the things I'm going to give you, there would be growth. So here's an idea that you, a way you might want to structure that 20, 20, 20. The first 20 minutes when you're getting together for that discipling time, share what you're learning in your Bible. Now, what that's going to do is inspire you to want to be learning about something in the Bible, because you know, when you get together, you want to talk about what you're learning in your Bible. But I know right now that there are probably a number of brothers that really aren't learning anything in their Bible. They're barely even getting in their Bible, or they're just doing the scripture of the day, or they're just kind of casually reading, you know, before they, they leave the house. They're not really learning anything from their Bible. But if you know, I'm going to get together with a brother, and we're going to talk about what we're learning in the Bible that's going to inspire you. And let's face it, anytime you spend in the word, like a serious Bible study is going to help you to grow. So that first 20 minutes, what am I learning from the Bible? The second 20 minutes, what am I working on personally? Or what am I working on in our ministry, in my ministry? And look, this might not be the time to get everything fixed, but just a time to share. Here's some of the stuff that I'm really struggling with. Here's some things I'm, I'm trying to grow in. Here's some sins I'm struggling with. Here's something I'm trying to learn to be more effective with. You just share that, that time in that, in that 20 minute slot. Obviously, if you have more than an hour, you can make these, you can stretch these out a little bit, but I'm using that, that hour as like the minimum baseline, okay? And then that third 20 minute segment would be prayer. 
And what do I pray about? Well, everything you just talked about. Pray what you're what, pray about what you're working on, what you're struggling with, what you're trying to get over, what you're learning in your Bible. You just you just pray. And so I think those are great. That's that's one way I think to have a very effective discipling uh, time. Another uh, is to have a very specific discipling plan for yourself. And uh, I want to share something with you. This is what um, the guys at the New England School of Missions use for their discipling. And uh, this is a discipling plan that's actually on the New England app. And so I want to just push the New England app right now. Pat Genova has done an amazing job with that New England app. And so if you don't have that, please download it. And uh, there's just an incredible amount of valuable information on there. But so here's what a discipling plan would look like. So I'm just going to walk through this. Discipling plan, put your name, you put who your discipling partner is. Um, so that you know kind of who is it to help me with this. The first thing is knowledge or knowing by the next 12-week period, I want to have gained a better understanding of whatever it is you feel that is. Skills, what you're doing. Again, in that 12-week period, I want to grow in these skills. In your character, same thing. A kingdom dream. I mean, we all need a kingdom dream. And, uh, you know, something that you feel like God has placed on your heart that you really want to do awesome for God's kingdom. So you put that down. Uh, then your availability, when, when is the best time for us to work this time out? And then whatever else you feel is important. And so uh, the 2020 is also mentioned in there as well. Um, there's, there's, there's all different ways you can do that 2020. I just gave you my thoughts on it. So anyway, if you go on the app, you can, um, that's the New England app, by the way. If you go on that New England app that Pat just developed, that's on there. I think under under their resources tile or something, but it's certainly there. You'll you'll find it, and it's a great one. So uh, that's just another another idea, having a plan. Okay, so let's get into uh, a bit more of the structure. The question always comes up: What's better, one on one or small group? Well, I don't really think one is better than the other. I think they're different, and I think they both have their pros and cons. So I want to share with you some of the pros and cons that I think would exist whether you're doing a small group or you were doing one-on-one. -on -one. So let's begin with the small group. What are the pros to meeting in a small group? And by that, I mean like meeting with probably no more than, you know, three, three guys total, um, maybe four. Although if you did four, I don't think an hour would be adequate. You'd have to, you'd have to crank that up a little bit more. But what would be the pros of meeting, having a discipling time with a few other brothers? Well, one, you've got more eyes and ears engaged, right? So that's a big plus right there. You've got more input. You've got increased fellowship. You got more guys that you're bouncing stuff off of. You've also got more guys that are bouncing stuff toward you. So you're getting a lot more, more input. So that increased fellowship is, is also really good with that. Um, I think also uh, if you're in more than one discipling relationship, then maybe there's less times that you have to schedule. So let's say you want to disciple or you feel like you're able to disciple, you know, two or three people, which would be difficult to do. But let's say for whatever reason you felt like, man, I really want to do that. So now you're trying to schedule like a few different times. Whereas if it's a small group, you schedule one time. Everybody's there. It takes care of it. So I think that that's good. Um, I think another pro for the small group is greater accountability for yourself. So if you're sharing something you're working on, a sin, a weakness, 
uh, even something great, a dream. And you share that with one person. So now you've got only one person potentially that knows that thing. So that one person is the only one that's going to be checking in to see how you're doing with it. But you know, if you share that with a few people, okay, well, now I got like two, three guys that are going to be asking me about my struggle on the negative side, but about how I do with my dream on the positive side. So that can be a good thing. So uh, there's some real pros. What would the cons be doing a small group discipling? Well, probably one of the biggest cons is that the individual need can be lost in the group. And so you've got something you really need to work on. It's important. It's, it's affecting your life, your family, your marriage, whatever it might be. You get into a, a, a D group, right? And there's like two or three other guys there and everybody's sort of clamoring for the same time. And so maybe you just get a little piece of time and you don't really get to get it all out. Or maybe somebody's got something big and you don't get any of it out. So here you had your D time and you're like leaving that thinking, well, you know, I got shortchanged on this one. Gee, hopefully in a couple of weeks, I'll get to share my thing, right? So, so that could be a bit of a problem that you get kind of lost uh, and your individual needs can definitely get neglected if it's not done right. Uh, and here's another problem. And this sort of is the same thing. One person can dominate the group. And so you've got a type A and a couple of type Bs, right? So the type A is going to speak for the good part of that group. And it could, it might not even be intentional, it's just the way it is. So that can be a little bit of a problem. I think another another con with a small group is that it's it's easier to hide in a small group. <clears throat> so if you got something that you really need to talk about and you should talk about, and you get to the group that day and you don't really want to talk about it, it's so easy to just sort of sit back and let other people take over the group. And you won't fight it. You won't say, hey, guys, make sure I get my time in. You're, you're going to be, you're like looking at your watch, hoping this thing's over soon so you can escape having to talk about what you need to talk about. You can't do that one-on-one, -on -one, right? You're there like with like you and Joe or you and Bob or you and Larry. And it's like, uh, okay, I guess it's me, right? So here's what's up. So in a, in a small group, though, you can just kind of slip into the corner if you want. Uh, I think another problem can be it's difficult lining everybody's schedule up. And so you think you've got the small group, but it never actually ends up being the small group because for whatever reason, half the group can never really make it at the right time. So that happens. And then here's the last one. This is another problem with the small group is that it can easily evolve into a group study or a book club. And it's not really a discipling time. It's like, hey, we're just gonna study this, this topic out. And it might be a great study. It might be a, a great book, a tremendous book, but it's not a discipling time. It's a good thing for what it is, but it's not a discipling time. And so you can see there's great pros with the, with the group thing, but there's also some inherent problems with it. Uh, and so we'll talk about that in a minute. So most of my discipling relationships actually is in a small group setting. And uh, I'm in two discipling groups. I'm in one discipling group, well, actually three, if you count the one I have here in Connecticut, but uh, I'm in one discipling group that is church leaders from Western New England. And it's a group that I lead and that I work with. And that's uh, the Connecticut Church Leaders and Western Mass in Rhode Island. And we meet every other week. And we do have, you know, time to, for us to, to cover all the things that we need to, to cover. It's a longer group. It goes for about three hours. But we're, it's all staff members and we can do that. So that's, that's one D group that I have. 
And then I have another D group that meets uh, also a couple times a month. And that's with um, Jimmy Allen, who leads, uh, he is the, um, the regional chairperson for the New England family of churches. And then Tom uh, Caswell, who is the leader of the Northern New England uh, uh, group of church leaders, and then my Western New England, and then Kevin Miller, who's the lead evangelist in Boston. And so that's another D group where we do business, talk about stuff, how we're doing, and plans and things like that. And so those are the two groups I'm in, besides when I have staff meeting here in, uh, in Connecticut, but that's, that's a little different. Uh, I do also have one-on-one -on -one times with some of these guys um, when we're able to work that out. I'll drive up and get with Tim Blake. I'll drive out to uh, Groton and get with uh, Mike Kwasniewski. Uh, and we'll have a one-on-one -on -one time. So <clears throat> that's a little less frequent than the, the group things. So that works for me. And these are things I do every month. So discipling to me is very important. I need it. I, I value it. And I'm glad I've got it. So that's the group. Now let's talk about one-on-one -on -one discipling. And one-on-one -on -one, um, is just as it says it is, right? One brother with another brother. It could also be like, like, like a married couple with another married couple. <clears throat> Even though they might talk as a four for a while, they might break up into like, you know, hey, let's, you know, the guys go over in this room and the women stay in this room or something like that. But it's the same kind of thing. So what are the pros to having one-on-one -on -one discipling? Well, the first one is that it's a much more focused time. And I think you're really much individual needs. You've got all that time divided up just between a couple of people. You can cover a lot of ground and you can get into a lot of things. Uh, and that's especially true for young Christians who are just sponges and, and need a lot of help. So it's really probably most effective um, for a young Christian to be in that type of relationship. Uh, I think another one is that it's a little bit easier to schedule. You've only got a couple of schedules to work with rather than the three or maybe four that you would have in a group. That's really tough to do. And um, But I think another pro of the one-on-one uh, -on -one is for some people, it's easier to open up with one person than a group. And if there's something really sensitive that you need to work on or talk about, and like you go up to you, you, you walk into your D group and there's like, you know, three other people sitting there. For some people, that's really hard to do. Some it's not. I mean, some will just be, you know, open with whoever is there. They don't care. You can bring the, you know, mailman in. Fine, he can join the group if he wants to. But for, for some people, just having that one person is really going to be the only way they're going to bear their soul. And so it's got some real advantage there. Uh, I think also with the one-on-one, -on -one, you can build a stronger bond. <clears throat> Again, for the same reason, it's not quite as diffused, right? So you've got a little bit more of a focused uh, relationship going on there. Uh, and you do have some more time to work on things. So that's the pros of the one-on-one. -on -one. What's the cons of the one-on-one? -on -one? Well, one of the biggest ones is that it, it can potentially put too much burden of responsibility on one person. You have to be the end-all, fix-all, know-all, do-all for whatever it is you got going on. And this is where some people feel really burnt out, like, man, you know, I'm like getting with this guy and he's got like marriage problems and family problems and he's got all these sin problems. And now, you know, there's like this personal stuff at work and I'm hearing all this and like, I wish I had somebody to help me out with this. So that can be the, the potential problem there. Um, I think another thing is that there's a little less accountability, obviously. If you're, again, if you're only sharing with one person, more people knowing might be a, a more uh, help to you. Um, 
I think also when it's only one person that you're getting with as a discipling partner, it's really easy to just miss the time a lot. Like, yeah, we didn't get together last week. We we're going to, but he had to stay work, you know, late, uh, late at work or, you know, there was something going on. So we just didn't have our time. With a small group, even if there is one or two missing, you still have a couple of people there. You can still get stuff done. So I think it's easier to miss if it's just one person. And, uh, and I think another, another con to just a one-on-one -on -one is if this one-on-one -on -one time thinking you're going to get help with the stuff that you need help with, but the person that you hope is going to help you is just in a really bad place. So it's like, eh, that's, you know, just didn't really work. And I'm not saying that happens all the time, but that happens sometimes. So one-on-one are good. I mean, I, I do one-on-one -on -one relationship with uh, the staff, uh, with Joelle and Pat. We typically do that every week. We do uh, on occasion uh, combined together and I'll get with Pat and Joelle together. But for the most part, uh, we do our discipling one-on-one. Same with the leadership team. For the most part, I have individual times with all of the, the leadership team members and their wives. And we'll talk together. Sometimes we talk separate. Sometimes I'll just say, hey, Fred, you know, can I, can I get together with you this week? And we'll get together or Dennis or, or whomever. Um, and so those tend to be a little bit more focused one-on-one -on -one -on -one times. Um, so both are great. Uh, both have their pluses. Both have their minuses. The bottom line is both of these can work. Uh, and they can work really well if they're set up properly and if the follow-through is there. And so what I want to give you right now uh, is things that I think need to be happening in any discipling time, whether it's a small group or a one-on-one. -on -one. And some of these things might get left out now and then for time, but these are things that if you just had this as your template, as your like go-to list for a D time, no matter a small group, 30, 20, 20, 20, however you're doing it, this would be really good. The first thing is this, talk about your personal well-being. How's life going? How are you doing? How's life treating you? Are you okay? Any life stress, pressure? What's going on? Is there anything I can help with? Some time to talk about how well you're doing. And that, that's just life. That's not even spiritual. That's just how's your job going? How's your family going? How's whatever going? Okay. The second thing you should be able to talk about is your spiritual well-being. How are you doing with God? How's your prayer time? How's your time in the word? How's your righteousness? You know, how's your your lordship, your discipleship, that would be really important. What, what's challenging right now for you in your walk with God? And, and, and what can I be praying about? What can I help with this? Uh, I think a third thing would certainly be marriage and family if you have a wife and, and kids. So, you know, I mean, you are one with your spouse and your kids are your offspring. So you should always talk about that. Uh, I think another thing that would be important to talk about is your personal ministry. I mean, we are disciples who make disciples, right? We're a discipling ministry. We're, we're sharing our faith. We're, we're helping people. So how's your ministry going? Who are you reaching out to? Who can I be praying uh, for, for you? And um, who can I be helping you study the Bible with? And so that's, that's a really important part of, of what we do. Uh, and then certainly uh, there should be at least some, some time of prayer and uh, depending on how things are going, you're, you'll give greater or lesser time to some of these things. But I think they're all things that definitely should be involved in your, in your time. So if we all had this going on, and again, if you had one hour of intentional time 
every other week where you were working on this, then I think we would be a much stronger church with a much greater impact. And I believe that's what we all want. And I believe it's something that we can all make happen, but we have to commit to it. And we have to decide, kind of like what the video said, you know, it's our time. This is it. So I've asked a couple of guys to share, uh, John Roundtree and Rick, because I think these are two guys that really, uh, really value discipling and really go after it and really make it happen. So, um, John, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. Why don't you just take a couple of minutes to share with the guys your thoughts on discipling? Um, okay, Jeff, can I share my screen? I was going to show pull up a picture. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on. Yeah, let me. Uh, okay, you got it. Everybody see that? You got a young man on there right there. Well, gosh, you know, it's amazing how I haven't changed at all in this. <laughs> so this is 20 years ago, guys. And um, this is uh, this was my <clears throat> my first D group right here, Jeff and Mark Steiner. And, um, you know, as I was thinking about it, I honestly feel like it was the, it was discipling that really attracted me to the church uh, to begin with. And um, at the time, this is 20 years ago, at the time I was really struggling with a lot of things in my life. And, you know, apparently uh, parenting was really tough for me at that time. And uh, my marriage was, I was struggling in my marriage. And so, you know, getting with these guys, you know, and again, we were studying the Bible, but uh, just the times we had together really helped me to uh, deal with a lot of the, the struggles I was having. So I'm gonna get off of that, back to that, okay. So, um, so, so right from the beginning, I think discipling is what brought me to the church. Uh, I, uh, I got a lot of help. I, I, I had help from Jeff and, and Mark Steiner, from a lot of you guys that are on this call, I think helped me. And uh, I was able to get through a tough time in my life. And it really convinced me that, um, that, that this would convince me that this was the right church because I saw, I saw the changes that were happening. You know, I always like to say nothing changed, but everything changed. Uh, when I started uh, studying the Bible and getting discipling, because for, for once I really had support. I didn't really have any support before that. Um, so for me, discipling relationships have really been an anchor for me spiritually, um, and have really helped me through a lot of my trials in my life, um, and have really helped to keep me strong. I really don't know where I would be without them. So I, I just listed a few things uh, you know, that benefit me. A lot of these things were already mentioned by Jeff, but I'll, I'll just talk about myself. You know, for me, um, you know, giving, giving me a time and a place to share uh, my struggles and my victories uh, with other men uh, and to get godly advice. You know, there's really no one in the world. There's no, I met a lot of friends in the world. There's no one that can give me the kind of advice that I can get in a discipling relationship. And that's been a, a tremendous asset to me. Um, you know, it's been a a place to confess my sins, you know, safely, you know, it's a place to talk about sins, what, what I'm struggling with and to, and to get, uh, get help with it. Um, I can share my goals and my dreams and I can have, I have someone to hold me accountable uh, for what my plans are. Um, and then for my marriage, you know, getting, uh, you know, we get with Jeff and Florence and uh, it is uh, a wonderful time to talk about our marriage and to get help with that. Um, you know, I think, I think our marriage has only gotten better because of it. And, uh, I really appreciate Jeff and Florence for the time they spent with us. 
uh, talking about that. Um, also talking about my ministry, um, getting advice on, you know, my work with Hope Worldwide and the work we're doing in the church. It's great to have, uh, you know, Jeff to, to run things by and get ideas, uh, run ideas by about what we want to do with Hope. Uh, and that's been extremely helpful. Um, and then, you know, what, what happens too in a discipling relationship is you really are building a strong friendship. You know, I think uh, whenever we, we talk close, you know, when we get deep with one another, we're building friendships, which will, you know, will only grow and last a lifetime. And so for that, I really value the friendships of, of those that I, you know, that I'm discipled by and those that I disciple. I really value those. Um, and for me also, it, uh, it gives me a structure. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a guy that needs structure in my life. Uh, and I need, I need uh, to be, account be held accountable. And that's something that discipling does. And then on the other side, on my, you know, my discipling other people, I was thinking about that. And uh, Jeff stole two of my scriptures. He stole uh, John 13, 34 and Romans 12, 10, um, you know, loving one another. Uh, above yourself, you know, when you when you get into a discipling relationship, you really have to commit yourself to um, to putting the other person uh, ahead of you, and that's a willful act. It's something you have to make a decision. I'm gonna I'm gonna only concentrate on 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 the person I'm discipling right now. I'm not gonna talk about myself. I'm not gonna, you know, it's easy to jump off and, and talk about yourself, but I'm, I'm not gonna do that. You have to make that decision, um, and you know, setting aside time every week, you know. Uh, it's a little easier for me. I'm an empty nester, so I have I have a little more time now. Uh, although I'm very busy with my work, um, but what I sort of I made a decision a few weeks ago that, that from eight o'clock to nine o'clock every night I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do something with with either discipling or in my ministry or with working with hope. Uh, you know, use that time for for ministry. It's a it's a good time. It's after dinner. Was you know we it's sort of downtime. You know, usually Cheryl's doing something else, and it's just a good easy time for me to work on um, relationships. Um, and, um, you know, it's not easy uh, and it's challenging at times, but, you know, the spiritual growth, when you see someone that you're discipling growing spiritually, it's very rewarding. It's extremely rewarding to see people making changes in their lives that um, are helping them uh, and their families, you know, especially their kids helping them with their parenting and their marriages. Uh, it's extremely gratifying. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, it really uh, is about turning, you know, turning ourselves back to the Bible. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think it's easy to, you know, it's easy to lose that. And, and it's important to remind ourselves that the Bible is our, is our guidepost. It is our guidebook. It's our, it's our textbook, right, for life. And, you know, if we can, if we can continuously remind ourselves to, to turn to the Bible, find scriptures that help each other, then I think we're gonna, we're gonna really grow as a family and uh, as a brotherhood. So um, that's all, I'll stop Amen. there. Thanks, thanks, for, thanks for listening, guys. Awesome, great, thanks. Okay, uh, Rick Velez, where are you? Here you are. All right, thanks, Jeff. Sure. Um, you know, when Jeff asked me to share tonight, <clears throat> I was like, I started to wonder, I started how to think about him like, where would I be without discipling? Where would I be without God? I know what my life was before before I was a disciple, and it wasn't good. Um, you know, I love the I love what he shared tonight about discipleship that to help each other to get here and to stay here. I know on my own I couldn't stay here, so I need other people in my life 
I need the brothers that I spend time with right now on, on a regular basis, the brothers in my Bible discussion, uh, the brothers in my life that I have relationships with. And, you know, one of the questions that Jeff asked, and I wrote it down, and I, I highlighted it right here. It says, you know, he said, how do I make time for this discipleship? I wrote down here to myself, I'll do that. I wrote down, how do I not make time for it? Because if I don't make time for it, then I'm going to fall away. And that's just the reality. It takes work to be a disciple. You know, it takes work to, to stay close to God. And on my own, when I have the, you know, uh, one little midweek or, you know, uh, um, a Sunday service, you know, during the week, when I'm being bummed, you know, that one hour, hour service or that one, this one hour and a half of midweek is not going to keep me close to God if I don't have those other relationships in the kingdom. If I don't have those brothers that I, that I talk to on the phone that we're texting back and forth, I'm just, I, I know I wouldn't be doing well. I think what helps me to do well is that, I, you know, I want to be accountable to them and, and them being accountable to me, that relationship, that one-on-one -on -one together it helps, you know, that I, that's like the scripture says, the, 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 you know, iron sharpening iron, you know, if, if it was just one, one way, then I would, I would be dull, you know, if it was constantly just me doing and nobody sharpening me or holding me accountable. You know, I, I love those, those scriptures in Hebrew about encouraging one another daily and, and in Romans 12, 10, honor one another above yourselves. You know, just this week alone, we, we got together with a couple and, you know, my wife and I had talked about when we got together for dinner that we were going to just be open, be an open book about where we're at. And we, you know, and just, just as, as a, as a talk and that talk turned into a discipling time for us, my wife and I, things that we didn't even think about, or we weren't even seen in our character that just kind of came out in our conversations. And by the time we left, we, we you know, we were, we, you know, with the couple, we were like, we were so grateful that we have them in our lives and that they're our friends, you know? And, and I value those those relationships in the kingdom. I love that in our discipling time, not only do we talk about each other, we talk about how we can encourage each other's families. You know, we all have, a lot of the people in, in, in my circle, we all have kids together. They've grown up together in the kingdom. So we have those tight bonds and relationships. We could talk about anything. And I think that's what I'm grateful about mm -hmm. that, you know, and, and, and just ha and having the routine. I think for, I think that's important, I, you know, you know, just, um, you know, just a few of the brothers, you know, here in our group tonight who are with us that, that I, I know that I disciple, some of them I get together with them weekly. You know, one of the brothers, me and him get together every week just, just for breakfast, just to hang out, just to talk. You know, we try to schedule every week a, a breakfast time together. And then we're able, and we're able to pray, we're able to talk, we're able to share scriptures, you know, see how each other's doing, what's going on in each other's lives. And that makes it nice. A couple, uh, one of the couples that we disciple, we get together and we'll go out to dinner. And just going out to dinner and we'll talk about all these things together like jeff said you know how's it going how's your family you know what's going on that really and we share back so it's not just one-sided when because we disciple them that means that they can't encourage us because there's plenty of times we get together with them and we walk away the ones being encouraged because they shared something or they saw something in our character that that we needed to look at and so it's a two-way street it's not about one being over the other it's as much about is is one you know we're even we're on the same plane you know, we all have the same spirit. We all have, you know, we all have that deposit that God made us, the Holy Spirit. And so we're able to encourage each other, you know, about, you know, about being confident to instruct one another, like it says in Romans 15, that I trust that what they're saying, um, you know, I, I can't be prideful or defensive or, or, or if my wife says something that I wasn't expecting, like there's nothing, there's nothing that's off the table in our discipleship time. 
I think that's one of the things I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I don't think in the world that we can be real like that with other people and share our intimate things and not feel like if we're being uh, condemned or or feeling like uh, being looked down on because of a certain thing or anything else. But, you know, I feel it's guilt-free in the sense that I can share whatever I want and, and feel no repercussions from it except encouragement, prayer. How can we help you? How can we how can we build you up? And, and that's the same thing we try to do, too. So I think I think without discipleship, I don't think I would be in the kingdom. I mean, just me. me I, I was religious in the world before, you know, no. I think one of the things I love about this church is when I first got here is that, you know, I had to make the Bible applicable to my life. You know, seeing like Jeff said, I think that having that lordship and discipling time, that that dual combination, one without the other is just not going to work. Then we're just going to be another religious sect out there in the world. We need to make Jesus Lord and, and we need that discipling. We need, to, we need to have each other in each other's life. We're not going to make it. We're not going to make it on our own. I know when I'm alone, all I know is Satan is trying to tempt me, attack me, or throw things at me to distract me from the things I need to do. And I love when the brother calls me or we get together. Hey, how was your week? You know, what did you, what are you studying? What do you learn? How, how, you know, how are you applying that? You know, you, you know, just take that one scripture. Don't worry about the whole paragraph. You know, just focus on that one scripture. How am I going to apply this to my life today? What is Jesus trying to tell me here? You know, I, I love that one-on-one -on -one time. I think that's what really helps me. And I'm so grateful for the relationships here. I have... Amen. I have friends in the church, I mean, outside the church, that when I call sometimes, they'll tell me, oh, you're not in a Bible study right now? Because I haven't called them, because I called my brothers in the church more than I call them. And I'm okay with that. If they get offended, I, I rather I, I rather offend them than offend God. And I, and I want to keep my relationships in the kingdom because they're, they're what's helping me stay connected right now. Amen. Awesome. Great. Rick, thank you so much. Appreciate that. All right, guys. Uh, John, Rick, everybody. Um, Appreciate the, the time. What we're going to do right now, uh, we've got about 20 minutes or so. I'm going to throw you all into a few random groups. And uh, I've only got one thing I want you to discuss. And uh, it's just how do you feel like in your life, discipling is going for you? And uh, you can share from either the perspective of being discipled or being a discipler or both. But just how do you feel like you're, you're doing with this? And maybe um, maybe what, what you can do to improve it. Like, how can I be better at this this process, this practice, if you will, of discipling. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.